0: All right. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, this day for your word, which is truth. We ask you, Lord, give us eyes to see Jesus more clearly, hearts to believe and receive the truth of your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your word does not fail, that it is working in our lives, that it's transforming our circumstances, that it's paving a path in the kingdom of God unto us and unto others. We love you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Well, good morning once again. How you doing? Slap somebody a high five, make sure they're awake. <laughs> all right. Hey, by the way, I do need to clarify something. This is a matter of important truth, so I need you all to really listen closely. All that other stuff that Pastor Nett was talking about with Thanksgiving the day before, and just keep it traditional. You can bring me the roti. You can bring me the deep-fried turkey. You can bring me the, the collard greens with some neck bone, turkey neck bone. You can bring, all, bring it over here. I, I'll eat that, all right? You keep the, she can keep the traditional stuff. I'll take all that other stuff, all right? Well, it's so good to have you all here. Listen, I hope you had a great week, and uh, our, our aim here is simply to add to that. To give you something to really consider from God's word, not our opinion, but God's word that will continually bless you and help you in this process of a journey of relationship with God. Now, look, whether you know Jesus or you don't, that, 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 that's not a condition here for you to be here. But what we do ask is simply this. Consider the truth in light of the life you're living. What does the Word of God have to say about that? Well, one of the things that we've been seeing over the last two months now, we've been on a series entitled Above the Clouds. And what we've been learning is about life in the kingdom of God. And what we've been seeing over the last several weeks now, this is the second month into this uh, series, is that we really can live life above the circumstances that we experience. Hey, I got some news for you if you never thought about this. Life is so much more than what you know. Life is so much more than what you know. Life is so much more than the challenges that come your way. Life is so much more than the past that some of us carry and we refuse to let go. Life is so much more. But the thing is, in order to experience that, we have to really heed to the words of Jesus. We have to consider what it is that he's revealing by these truths. And one of the things that we've been looking at over the last several weeks is in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus speaking says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to think about this, that the kingdom of God provides us keys for life. And keys are important because keys provide us access. Keys open up doors. Keys unlock us from places where we've been trapped in. Keys are power. Keys are authority. And what Jesus is saying here is this, that I have given you the keys of the kingdom of God. And when he talks about the kingdom of heaven backing you, what he's talking about is that when we live in agreement with the kingdom of God, heaven is behind you. It brings you through. God's kingdom. And so I didn't say this. Jesus says this. He says there are keys in the kingdom. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus goes on to say, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. See, the kingdom of God is not something abstract. It's not pie in the sky. It's not one day when I die. No, it's here. It's now. The question is this. Do you understand the kingdom that has been committed to you? You know, that's, that's, that's like saying a police officer who wears the uniform, has a gun, has a shield, but every day he goes and he bakes. He doesn't show up to the precinct. He doesn't exercise his authority. And unfortunately, I know that's a poor example. That was a lot funnier in my head, you know, but anyway. Uh, but anyway, my point simply is this. We have the kingdom of God. And I want to challenge you to consider something. Are you living at a level less than what Jesus says is yours? Are you living at a level less than that? Look, I can't tell on any of you, but I will tell on me. I've been there, done that. Deviated from the truth, took my eyes off of it and did my own thing thinking that my way was better and let me be the one to tell you for my life, just for me, it didn't work. Now, if it's working for you, please tell me the recipe. But listen, it, it doesn't work. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Apostle Peter, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. He says, for you have been born again. But watch what is the source of our birth. He says, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. You know what he's talking about when he talks about perishable and imperishable? He's talking about something that can't be corrupted. He's talking about something that can't be changed. He's talking about something that no matter what you do to it, no matter what you say about it, no matter what people tell you about your faith in God, that cannot be changed and his promises are true. And what his word declares about who you are and what's available to you in this kingdom is true. The word of God says you are the healed of the Lord. Healing is yours now. You're not going somewhere up in the sky looking for it. It's already with you. It's in you. The kingdom of God is at work in you. God's provision is with you. You have a new identity in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. So why are you looking at yourself according to where you were? And so he says that we've been born of imperishable seed. But watch this. Here's that seed. Through the living and enduring Word of God. See, who you were created to be by God can't be changed. His purposes and His plans for your life are all good. Now, I get it. Some of us, we're at various stages in life and some of us are going through some difficulties, some challenges and you question that. Good, in my life? Well, do you know that from God's original plan from the very beginning of time, God created mankind and here's what He said. He created all creation. and said, it is very good. It is very good. The Word of God says that He's predestinated you and I, all mankind, unto good works. And so while we may go through challenges, just understand this, that that's not God's process for you to grow. That's not God's process to teach you. No, those are the challenges that come with life. But Jesus said, rejoice, I've overcome. There's a better way. And that's what the kingdom of God is. is It provides us a better way. It provides us a better path. And so today, we're going to be looking at some of the parables of Jesus, just a few of them. And we're going to look at them as a means to unlocking further doors for life through God's kingdom. Now, parables are important because parables, whenever you watch Jesus, whenever you hear Jesus in the Bible talk about the kingdom of God is like, and he uses a story, an example, an analogy. Here's what he's doing. He's revealing to us how the kingdom of God works. Here clearly, he's given us a key and he's saying, this is how you access this area in the kingdom. This is how you open that door. This is what's available. And so today, through these parables, what we're going to see is that the kingdom of God gives us all that we need to grow in every area of our lives. How many of you are interested in some further growth? Okay, some, some of you are just confused and don't, you think you're good right where you are. You've, you've failed to realize that we all got some more growing to do, right? We're all in process. What was it that Paul said? I haven't arrived? That's what he said, right? Right? The only one that said it's finished, it's done, I'm good. Who's that? Jesus, right? So we're all in process. But today I'd like to talk to you about kingdom principles for growth. And I want us to look directly to God's word. And I'm going to invite you to turn with us to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, please feel free to join us on the screen. Um, if you have the app, all the notes are there. You can actually even hover right over the, the, uh, the uh, scripture verse and it'll pop it up for you. So you got all that cool stuff going on. But Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 21. It says, then Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp? and then put it under a basket or under a bed to shut out the light. Of course not, he says. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. And so everything that is now hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light, he says. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. And be sure to pay attention to what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand. And even more besides. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. I want to pause right there. And I want you to think about the words of Jesus here. He's starting by setting us up. He introduces the idea of a lamp and he says, who of you turns on a lamp, lights a lamp, and then puts it under a basket so that it doesn't give us light? I guarantee you this, some of you, you're you're, you're like diehard Christians, you'll do whatever I tell you. So if I shut off the lights and did it in complete pitch black, I put black tape on, you'd still sit here and raise your hands, no sound system, you're crazy. But here's my point with that. For us wiser ones, if it's dark, man, I can't read. I can't see anything. I, this, is, this ain't going to work. No, so my point with that is this. What Jesus is saying is, hey, you, you, there's a light in you. And because there's a light in you, you got to understand that you were not meant to be concealed. But if anything, what I'm doing through your life, he's saying, is meant to be revealed. Now watch what he's alluding to. Because as we read on, what we're going to see is this, that he's talking about growth. Let's look at verse 26 through 29. He goes on to say, it says, Jesus also said, here is another illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. Ding, 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 ding. Your ears should be perking up at this point. He says, here's another illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer... Planted seeds in a field. And then he went on with his other activities. As the day went by, the seeds sprouted and they did what? They grew. Watch this. Without the farmer's help. Because the earth produces crops on its own. First the leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Let me just start off by saying this to you, that God cares about where you are today. God cares about where you are today. But according to the words of Jesus, what, he see, what we see is that his interest lies in where we're going. Let me take that a step further. His interest lies in our growth. See, the kingdom of God is something that is imperishable. It's something that can't be corrupted. Its purposes cannot be changed. And one of the keys that we fail to realize to the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is the only thing. It is the key ingredient. It is the recipe. It is the sauce, baby. It's what you need to grow. It's what we need to grow. See, the kingdom of God is the key for growth. And I want you to begin to consider something about the words of Jesus. That Jesus says, the farmer takes the seed. He says, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? He says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who takes a seed. And he goes and he plants it. Now here's what's interesting about that. When he goes to plant it, there's nothing there but dirt. Nothing there but dirt. There's dirt, there's rocks, if you dig a little bit deep, you'll see that there's weeds. There's all kind of things going on there. And he says that the farmer, the kingdom of God is like the farmer who sows the seed into what appears to be nothing. He sows the seed. And he says then he goes about his business. He continues on with his day. He goes and he cooks that meal for Pastor Jose on the day before friends and family because I am certainly your friend and I consider you family if you're bringing me some panini, I'm kidding, guys. But anyway, he goes about his business and then one day as he's walking by and nothing is happening, all of a sudden he takes a look and he goes, how did that happen? Where did those come from? I was just standing here. There was nothing here. And then he says this, the farmer knows not how it happened. Tell you why it's important to consider that. Because in this journey of life, we many times try to assist God. And we try to do the growing for him. I got to improve on the old me. No, no, no. You missed it, brother and sister. The old you is dead. The new you is alive. You're now come. There's new, you're new creation. And if you don't know Jesus, here's the great news about it. That God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son to pay a price that was yours and mine to pay so that we can freely receive new life and grow. And grow. And so you see this kingdom, these truths revealed in the kingdom of God, they are the recipe, they are the secret sauce, so to speak, to, to clarifying life and empowering us to live life the way God intended us to. Here's something else that you should, you, we should consider just from these verses, that our growth allows all to see. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jose? I got a friend of mine, uh, he was just recently here for my son's wedding, which was uh, last week. And um, man, this guy, when I, when, I, when I was that rebellious kid in church, you know, I was going to hell for everything, including going to the movies and drinking soda with the wrong guys. And because I didn't wear the right pair of shoes or pants or because I listened to certain type of music. Oh, you never been there? Good for you. I grew up in that kind of church, right, where only we were going to heaven. Everybody else was going to hell right? And we were there all day Sunday, we were there Monday, we were there Tuesday, we were there Wednesday, we were there Thursday, we were there Friday, we were there Saturday, and we had nothing but panderetas. Some of you know nothing about that. Um, catch up with me afterwards, I'll tell you about those. There's a reason why we don't use them here. It's not that they're not good, it's just that I, I, I still kind of bug out when I hear them, You know, it freaks me out. But I, that's, that's where I grew up in, but when I came back to the things that as in my early 20s, you know, there was this guy, man, his name was Lewis, and, and this guy was all oh, man. I mean, he was just so secure in who he was, but at the same time, there was this tenderness that allowed him to raise his hands and love God and love people. And he was so patient and he was so, so kind, and and, and he didn't look at me based upon how I talked or what I did or what I dressed like or where I'd been. He just simply just said, come on over here, man. Come, come hang out. and Let's talk. And, and and I learned from his example what it was to love God and be secure in my own masculinity about it. I learned what it was to love people genuinely without expecting anything in return. I learned what it was not to judge. I learned what it was to be a husband to a wife and to children and, and be a father. And, and it was all just by watching. And what I want you to see is this, that what God has done in you is complete. And so he calls you a lamp. He says, let it shine. Why? Because a lamp allows all to see. And there are things that God is doing in you, husband. There are things that God is doing you, father. There, is you, there are things that God is doing in you, wife, woman, child, man, woman, young adult adult, old timer, whatever you want to call it. Listen, there are things that God is doing in you. And the thing about it is this, that people don't want to hear about Jesus today. But I'll tell you this, if they see him, they want to know what that's about. That happens through you. And that happens as we grow. And so you're at your best when people see what God is doing in you. Don't hide what God is doing in your life. Don't be ashamed of what God, the change that he's brought in your life. Don't, don't, be, don't be shy about the blessing of God upon your life. Don't make apologies for it. You are blessed coming in and blessed going out. Blessed in the city, blessed in the country. You are the head and you are not the tail. You're above only and never beneath. That's what the word says. Don't, don't hide that. And you're also at your best when you are growing and reproducing what God has placed in you. And so, get this. Jesus tells us, pay close attention to what you hear. And he tells us why. He says, because as you hear and you understand, he says, it gives you the ability to do something. He says, to do more. You know what he's talking about there? To grow. See, it's in growth that all plants are fruitful. It's in your continued endeavor to continue on this path of growth that you become fruitful. And guess what? It's not your fruit. The Bible says that, we have, that, that we, what we produce is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Some of us, we go, I'm just going to uh, be joyful today. It doesn't work that way. You're trying to squeeze it out. It doesn't work that way. But here's what we're going to see. That it does work according to the seed. It's all in the seed. And so, in verse 26, Jesus begins to reveal this process of growth. Listen, I'm not giving you rocket science today, by the way. This ain't, ooh, nah. I'm not giving you a heavy-revy. Jesus didn't even talk that way. Jesus spoke to farmers about seeds, about ox. He spoke to people sitting in in the fields about the lilies of the field and the ravens that they saw flying overhead. He kept it simple. And so if this is too simple and too plain and too understandable, I'm not apologizing because that's how Jesus taught the word. And so let's consider something, some things about growth directly from Jesus's words. Notice that in verse 26, He goes on to say that the kingdom of God is like the farmer who planted seeds in the field and then he went on with his other activities. And as the days went by, the seeds sprouted and grew without the farmer's help. Let me give you a first point to consider here about growth according to the kingdom of God. That it's a process. I'm gonna tell you why it's a process. Maybe you haven't been there, I know I have, where I've looked to the left and I've looked to the right. And I've said, oh God, why, why, why am I not doing what they're doing? Why am I not there? I just want to be where they are. Can I tell you that God's working right in your lane? Amen. That's right. He's working right in your lane. That's right. The thing is this. Notice that Jesus says that first, right, the sower sows the seed. But then comes the blade. Then the head of grain. Then the full head. You know what he's talking about? A process of growth. And so learn to enjoy the journey of where you are right now. It's not always comfortable, but here's what we begin to see. And this is where we're going to start going now. That the seed is always at work and it's without your help in mind. When Paul in Acts chapter 20 was leaving the, the early church, the Ephesians, the people of Macedonia... Um, he was convinced that this was the last time he would see them and that he was about to be martyred, that they were going to kill him in Jerusalem. Turns out, according to Bible history, that it wasn't until years later. But when he's leaving them, Paul says this in Acts 20. He says to them, And now I commend you to the word of his grace. You know what he's saying? I've done all I could, and I trust the word of God in you. And watch what he says. I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you and to give you an inheritance amongst the saints. He's saying the word of God is enough. What does Paul say in another portion of scripture? He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Watch this for it is the power of God to salvation. It's not how you dress. It's not how much Christian ease you talk. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Bless you, brother. Hallelujah, you're blessed and highly favored. Right? That right there does not impress God. Don't judge growth based upon what you see. Then Jesus himself say that the first among you shall be last and the last shall be first? Don't be impressed by what's going on around you. And don't try and emulate that. Be you live from right, right where you are where God is working in you that makes sense and so see it's a process but get this it's a process that doesn't make sense but it does work it doesn't make sense but it does work you know science has been able to reproduce seeds that look exactly like seeds that God has provided us in nature but you know what the differences between the seeds that men produce and the seeds that God produces, that somehow only the seeds that God produces actually grow. The other ones, they look like they got it down to the T. they sow it and it doesn't grow. And so see, your growth, according to this word of God, really is a mystery. It doesn't make sense, but it does work. It does work. It reminds me of a a story I once heard um, about uh, eaglets, baby eagles, right? One of the most inspiring sights in nature is an eagle in flight. You ever watched an eagle in flight? Yeah? I recently went on a motorcycle ride a couple of months ago uh, with a couple of guys from the church, and we ended up going somewhere. I don't remember where it was. But um, there were a bunch of nests all around. And as we were, le- we were looking for eagles and we didn't see any. And as we were leaving, I actually caught sight of one behind us. What's interesting is that we all can appreciate the value of seeing eagles fly. They're free, they're powerful, they're complete in their own way. And the eagle for many has become a symbol of how we'd like to be we'd all like to soar in life i wonder how many of us have actually taken the time to appreciate how eagles learn to to fly there's one particular species of eagles that's known to build its nest in very very high cliff areas and here's what they do they build their nest in unreachable places where they can oversee everything and then they hatch their little eaglets. And here's what, they, here's what happens those first couple of days. Those eaglets just cry, mama, mama, mama. And mama flies out and brings them back food. And they watch mama feed them. And they watch mama fly. But then eventually mama does something. Mama goes, okay, now you do it. And here's what mama does. Mama pushes the little eaglet. And the little eaglet goes, oh no, this wasn't part of the plan. <laughs> This ain't working. How's this? What are you doing here? And death is imminent. And all of a sudden, this eagle does something that is instinctive to its nature because of how it was born. It opens its wings and it catches the gust of the wings and it soars for the first time. Can I tell you that faith is a lot like that? Some of you, you've been around long enough to know our story. I won't get into it in detail, but a couple of years back, we were youth pastors out in the Middletown area. And we, we pastored uh, a, a ministry, an area of ministry with youth that had over a thousand kids. We were successful in everything that we were doing. It was a thriving ministry. And there was really no reason to leave except that God said, I'm calling you to go start this ministry. And everyone that I knew said, bro, don't go to Newburgh. <laughs> that, that, don't go there. That's not the spot to go. But here's what I know, according to the book of Isaiah, that God told me that we would go to desert places and there would be springs of living water that would come up. God told me that we would inhabit cities that we did not build, that we would go where people have no sight and that they would see and that lives would be transformed. And so we came to the city of Newburgh. Actually, before we came to the city of Newburgh, we started in my house with 12 people. That lasted about three weeks. We had about 30 people. Some of you are still, many of you, some of you are around here. You were there the, fir- the very first service, January 5th, 2014. And by the way, newsflash, in January, we're celebrating the whole month, five years that since we started. Um, so we'll, we'll be celebrating that. There'll be more details on that. But we started... That grew to about 30 people. We went to the Hudson Valley Hotel and Conference Center. We were there about five months. I grew their rooms there. Ended up here at a building that was known to be a club and a trouble spot for the city. Took it over. You don't believe me. There's still a, a 45 caliber gunshot bullet right up there in that ceiling towards that fan. And we left it there because it's all right. God can take dry places, can take what people would consider dead and useless and raise it to life. And here we are now, 200 strong, running two services, impacting the community, loving God, loving people, loving one another, and growing. And you're clapping because you're seeing it from this end. But when we stepped out, I was like, how's this going to work? This makes no sense. I had two kids in college, mortgage, all the responsibilities that I had. But all I knew was that God said, I'm calling you. And I'm your exceedingly great reward. And we learned very quickly. Spread your wings. Because God says. I'll make you. To rise. On wings of eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. And so here we are. And I share all that simply to encourage your faith today. That look. Not only is it a a process. And. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but it really does work. And one of the keys to this area of growth is understanding that it is by faith, ladies and gentlemen. It's by faith. Do you know that we all at our very core understand how faith works? We all understand that. Buildings are built by faith. Somebody walks onto a lot, there's nothing there, and he says, I see a five-story building. It'll have this kind of roof. We'll point the corners this way. We'll do this. We'll do that. The foundation will be this deep. And he puts it all on paper. And then he says, this is the building. There's not a building there. But faith empowers him to see something that's not there. The Bible says that faith is the substance of that which we hope for. And it is the evidence of that which we have not seen. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you understand faith. And what I'm saying to you is this, that faith in God always works. It always works. And it produces. And so for the next couple of moments that we have here as we're wrapping up, I want us to examine this process of growth in God's kingdom by looking at the steps that Jesus gives us. He says that the first step is the sower sowing the word. The sower sowing the word. Like the farmer, unless we understand that the seed is the key... To growing a harvest, we can't grow if we cannot understand and accept that our growth solely depends upon the truths revealed in God's word. Let me ask you a question. There's a lot of things called truth today, but how's the truth that you've been depending on outside of God been working for you? What has it really produced? And is it something that's sustainable? Something that's enduring? Something that lasts? Something that does not disappoint? It's an important question to consider. See, for some of us, we just want to get to the end point where we're all grown up. But mothers, you understand this process. You give birth to a baby, and the first day they are... They are messy, they are smelly, they are yucky, they, they're temperamental. But here's what you look at. They're growing. And you're not interested in getting them overnight from zero to 20 in one night. Can you imagine an adult that did not go through the process of growth? Can you imagine what, that, what the results would be? they would not know how to communicate. They would not know how to function. They would not know how to walk. They might look like one, but they certainly won't know how to live like one. And I share that with you because the kingdom of God gives us a process of success for growth. But we cannot override this process. Don't, be, don't stress trying to get to, to this place of completeness all in one night, ladies and gentlemen. Trust the word of God in you. Just like the sower sows the seed and understands that the seed will grow on its own, you must understand and accept that God's word is sufficient and able to do what it says in your life. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Did you get that? God's word proves true. Now, we've all been there where we thought something was truth only to find out it wasn't. Been there, right? We've all been there. Get the one thing that does not fail. That always proves true. That always works. God's word. God's word can heal your marriage. God's word can give you a vision for your children when they don't look like it and they certainly don't act like it. But the word of God declares that he knows the plans that he has for them. Plans to prosper them. To give them a hope and a future not to harm them. God God's word does not fail. God's word provides us vision where we can't see. It is a lamp unto our feet. It clarifies the path before us. And so we should be wise to do what the word says. Psalm 37, I believe it says that when we commit our ways to him, he, and we trust him, he establishes the path ahead of us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, he goes on to say, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. You know what he's talking about? God's word. In other words, just like a baby only wants milk, only set your passion and desire for the truth that God's word reveals. Why? So that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Faith isn't an easy journey, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you something, it's worth it. And you know when it becomes easier? When you understand the truth revealed in God's kingdom. The word works, it works. And so when it comes to preparing for the future, you know what a farmer doesn't do? He doesn't go and invest in some uh some uh, a bakery. He doesn't go and build another house for himself. You know what he you know what he plans on? You know what he banks on? He takes $5 and he buys a bag of seed. And he says, with this seed, I'll produce a harvest for all that I need. See? A farmer puts his confidence in the seed because it does not fail. We should do the same knowing that God's word does not fail us. And the moment we get to a place where we have total confidence in God's word that it is all that we need, you know what the result is? You start growing. You start growing. You begin to see a produce of that word. Jesus says that once the seed is sown, the next step is the blade. Once the word takes holding your heart, like roots, here's what it does. They go deep into the ground and it begins to push against all that conceals it. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. When a farmer sows a seed, he sows it into what appears to be nothing. But in that ground, there's rocks, there's weeds, And once that seed is sown, all that pressure of that dirt and everything else around it compresses upon this seed and threatens to restrict it. And this seed, while it's so small, because of its design, it begins to push against rocks. It begins to push past weeds. It begins to push against all that that is compressing upon it. So much so that because it's designed to produce a crop, a harvest, it pushes past all that which restricts it so that it can be revealed. Let me tell you something about God's word. God's word is sufficient and capable and powerful enough in your life to push past your hurts, to push past your circumstances, to push past the opinions of people, to push past the things that condemn you, those thoughts that you buy into, your negative self-talk. If you would just do what the word says, if we would meditate upon this word, consider it day and night and let it not depart from our mouth but live according to it. You know what we'd see? Growth. All of a sudden, the word of God hidden in your heart becomes like that palm tree that the book of Psalm talks about. That tree that's planted besides living waters and it produces a great crop. That's what you and I must understand about this process that God begins to work in the inside where nobody sees. God begins to work upon your heart. God begins to renew your mind so that you no longer are conformed to the pattern of this world and what you've been taught, but that you begin to experience transformation as this mind of yours is renewed by his truth. You might not be able to see it at this moment. There are some of you here today that you feel like you're down and you're out. You feel like, I can't, I won't. It's not for me. It might be free, but not for me. It might be true in your life, but it's not true in mine. Let me tell you something. Trust the word of God in you because it is pushing past everything that seeks to restrict the beauty of who you are as a child of God today. The blade only comes through this one process, perseverance, pushing, pushing pushing ahead. Don't give up. Somebody, somebody here needs to hear. Don't give up on what God has shown you. Don't give up on the path that you started on. God's word will come to pass. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 and 14, uh, Paul, writing to Timothy, says this. He says, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame. Paul's talking about, listen, I'm in here, Because of what I believe. And because some people can't accept it as truth. He says, but I'm not ashamed of it. Because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. And then watch what he's talking about, what's been entrusted to him. He said, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. He's talking about the word of God. He says, with faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. While Paul faced immense pressure, found himself imprisoned at this time with a sure sentence for his death. He knew what was coming. You know what he banked on? The truth of God's word. He says, Timothy, I'm all right. Timothy, I'm changed. But hey, Timothy, I'm better than I've ever been. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm not moved by this. I know what I've committed to the Lord and I know that He's faithful to do it. And so I'm not moved. I'm not worried. I'm not shaken. That's what you've received, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let go of the truth of God's word that he has revealed to you. The next step that Jesus reveals to us is the head of wheat. I don't have much time here. I got I to begin to close this out. But let me just give you some Bible geek facts that you might not know. In the Old Testament, God, when he's talking about wheat and he's sharing with his people, he's speaking to his people through the prophets about wheat, he's talking about fine wheat, fat wheat, and there's another term that he uses, which is the kidney of the wheats. I say all that simply to say this, that when God uses the terminology of wheat in the Old Testament, it's indicative of two things, his love for his people and his goodness towards them. If you look at the story of Joseph, you'll see that when God shows him a vision of what he called him to, he showed him sheaves of wheat, that were raised up. He was showing him about his life. Psalm 81 has, uh, says a lot about that as well. I don't got time to go there. And in the New Testament, when it refers to wheat, it refers to God's people. If you take time on your own time, there's a parable where he talks about the wheat and the tares. He's talking about his people. And so what I want you to begin to see is this. That the head of wheat, Jesus uses the parable of a seed growing. And he specifically uses a grain as the seed that he's referring to. Because when a grain begins to sprout its head, what it's saying, what it's revealing is the promise of fruit to come. It's telling the farmer, it's almost time. Get ready to receive this fruit. But the reason why I share this with you is because one thing that we must consider in this process of growth is how God's love and how God's goodness spurs us on to growth. And I believe that what Jesus is revealing to us here in this head of grain that's beginning to sprout is this. He's saying, don't forget. Don't forget that I love you, but don't also forget to love others. Don't forget how good I've been to you. And don't forget that it's by my love and my goodness that I sustained you, that I called you, I sustain you, and I equip you to produce much fruit. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to bear much fruit. Fruit that will last, that reproduces on and on and on and on. You know, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, whether this is day one or this is year 20, I guarantee you this, you've experienced some change. But I want to remind you how that change started. For God so loved the world that he gave he sold His one and only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life, enduring life. And let's not forget Romans 5, where it tells us that, Christ, that God demonstrates His love in this, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, it's by love that we came into this relationship with God and we're growing, and it's by this same love that we endure and produce much fruit. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, In this I pray that your love may abound, but watch how love abounds, more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things, all things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So let me encourage you with something about God's word. And how love and goodness spur us on to grow. Don't stop learning. Don't stop seeking from God's word. Don't stop. Because the moment we cease to learn, here's what we know from scripture. We cease to grow. We cease to grow. And the last stage that Jesus talks about is the full head of grain. This is the stage where the ear of grain is hanging. It's hanging over. And it's due to the heaviness of the fruit within it. And this is the point where their potential for multiplication and growth is in abundance. This grain is at its finest in that it can nourish others. It can reproduce itself because of its ability to release seed. And because it can abound in much fruit i want to encourage you to stand with us this day. God has created you to grow. Mother, you're not done growing. Husband, you're not done in this process of growth. Young man, young woman, there's still more to learn. We still got more growing to do. We all do. And I want to remind you, according to the words of Jesus, that you'll be growing until he returns or until you go home to be with the Lord. But you were created to be fruitful. Fruitful. You know what that says? Even though you don't feel it and maybe you don't see it for some of you? Jesus equates his word to a seed. And he says, because I've planted this seed in you, you're going to bear much fruit. I'm here to tell you today, you're in process and you're growing. Trust the seed of God's word that's working in you. Mark chapter four, verses 30 and 32, Jesus says this, he says, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows along branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Maybe for some of us here, today, you might appear small in your own view. Don't judge your growth. Based upon what you see, there's an incorruptible seed at work in your heart, and it does not fail. It does not fail. It will produce what it says. God says, I'm not a man that I should lie. My word is like the rain that I provide for the sower who sows his seed, it does not return to me empty. I want you to see something that right now where you're growing, there are people that you are destined to extend your branches of life. And they'll come and they'll grow. You might not feel it. You might not see it. If you saw me 20 years ago, you would go, "Huh? that's it. He's going to, he's going to hell. <laughs> There's no salvation for him. Thank you, Lord. Listen, there is no place that God can't reach. There is nothing that God can't redeem and restore. But it's done by the seed of his word when it has entrance into our lives. Father, today we thank you for your word, which is true. We celebrate Jesus, Lord, but most importantly, we raise up our eyes and meditate upon this truth that your word is a seed. It's a seed that can't be corrupted. It's a seed that will produce what you intended for. And it's a seed that you chose to place in our hearts today. That tells us something here today, Lord. We're meant to produce much. I thank you that this day your people bear much fruit. I thank you that marriages are strengthened here, Lord. I thank you that children are being raised up in the ways of the Lord. And while they may resist, Lord, your word does not fail and your promises are true. And so, Lord, we declare over them that they are a heritage of the Lord. That they will bear much fruit, Lord. That they are blessed. That they are destined unto good works, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that our homes are havens of hope. That we are still alive and we yet still shine brightly, Lord. I thank you, O oh God, that these your people are strong because of Christ who is in them and with them. I thank you, O oh God, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. And I thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that you can't redeem us from. That you are the God that, that restores what the locust is eating. You take where there's nothing and you make it into something beautiful. Lord, you take ashes and you declare that they are beauty because you raise up new life, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this day, by the entrance of your word, Lord, there's a harvest at work. Don't look to your left and don't look to your right, people. And raise your head up. Don't hang your head any longer. You were destined to bear much fruit. And it starts with one simple key in the kingdom. Begin to embrace the truths of God's word. And let that seed push past the rocks that hurt. Past the weeds of negative thoughts and people and things that seek to entangle you. And stop you from growing. Let the word of God push past that. Let the word of God bring new things.